Welcome back to Pocket Talk, the uh, podcast for the Pocket Talk Festival, where we tell the human stories at the intersection of sports, innovation, and culture. Real quick, uh, because this is personally exciting, I want to thank uh, Jason Scheinthal and the team here at 1836. It's going to be opening uh, a different a different location in my hometown, Bel Air, uh, Bel Air Broiler Burger. So if you're ever in Houston, you got to go check it out. Uh, and if and if you tell me that the burgers are bad, you're lying. So uh, I want to thank these guys real quick, and then want to introduce. Meu amigo brasileiro, Zuka Paladino. É, é nóis. Prazer. <risos> Amigão, I should say, right? Yeah. Pois é, pô. Yeah. Prazer aqui, Alex, estar aqui. Super, no, super proud. Good, good. Well, uh, tell us, I mean, introduce yourself. Uh, I feel like you do a better job of it than I do. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much. So I'm originally, as you said, you know, from Brazil, from São Paulo, Brazil. My name is Jose. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but uh, my I nickname. Yeah, I know. <laughs> see, so uh, so since uh, you know, I was born already Zuka. So mm -hmm. Z U C A is 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 my nickname um, given by my grandfather, and uh, my last name is Paladino. So Zuka Paladino, originally from São Paulo. I lived in Mexico. Went to school here in uh, in 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 the U.S. Uh, as a student athlete, mm -hmm. and uh, been back to the U.S. since 2015. Um, awesome. And yeah. is, is Zuka a normal uh, nickname for Jose or, or no. where did that come from? Not at all. No, it came from actually my my grandpa in a way. Um, so his uh, so usually like Jose, the nickname is Zé, uh -huh. right? Uh, and they when you have Jose Carlos or something, it would go Zeca. You know? Oh, got it. So, but Eduardo usually is a dude, do But my grandfather, his name was Eduardo and his son was Eduardo and his nickname was Duca. So I don't know why he took Zé and Duca and created Zuka. You know, that's well, unique. I mean, yeah, even, yeah. even in Brazil, it's it unique, is unique. Which is yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So usually it's sort of their last last name of someone with double C, but it's very rare. So okay. so I actually have to really behave myself through life <laughs> because there weren't many Zukas around. Yeah, so. that's true. So well, and you have to honor your grandfather's exactly. naming legacy. No, that's exactly. Awesome. exactly. And so what, what are you working on these days? Yeah, so I've started, uh, you know, actually, we just did our first year. I started a company called Woke uh, here in the U.S. It's a Brazilian-based company, but we're focusing on disrupting the entire talent strategy industry and career management. So basically combining a people accelerator and a startup and scale-up accelerator focused on new economy, you know, mm -hmm. growth. Um, basically, the main problem of all these companies, right, and, and of us, right, through yeah. our adult life is work and people. So, uh, so we've gone a lot deeper into the fact of how can we change what the recruiters and what headhunters do and making that a lot less transactional and how can you really quantify performance, right? And, and really empower companies to grow their culture through hiring and retaining people and developing them. So, yeah, yeah. So one-stop shop, arc, the full arc, full yeah. arc one-stop shop solution could be B2B, could be B2C, could be full service, could be self-service all through technology and data. Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. We're excited. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's like you're humanizing a little bit that process. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, everybody says the same thing. People are our most important resource. People are our most important yeah. resource. You're you're developing and 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 really diving deep into an automated way to to focus on that. Yeah. And and actually, I mean, everything goes through you. You know, self knowledge, right? Knowing mm -hmm. what you want. You know, whether you're a leader, whether you're thinking about yourself as a career, whether you're launching a company or growing a company. Yeah. So from that perspective, the the, the true focus here is, uh, it's really creating. You know, uh, embracing the data yeah. uh, that you know all these markets generates, and no, you know, all the companies have been 
created basically through an industrial model, right? Mm -hmm. they, they deliver sort of a cookie cutter type of manufacturing service. If you could change that around and, and really create a company that could be the first unicorn, right, of, right. of HR services, how would you do it, right? And what would that service be? Uh, so we're challenging every day of being 1% better and really being able to impact everyone's life, whether it's going to be talking about the future of what, what's happening now, mm -hmm. uh, which is the whole thing of these new organizations that are coming in. They are a lot more valuable than, you know, Fortune 100s and 200s. So what's the value in that and where do people want to work and how do they want to work? Right. So it's just changing, you know, seeing the changes that are happening with youth and just focusing on the future, right? future so, relationship. I feel like you're skirting around this inception story. Like how did, how did woke or, I mean, it started as wokey, right? Uh, in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it, although despite eventually kind of what the word means here in the U S and how, you know, the media kind of yeah, plays around it has, yeah, it has nothing to do with a political act or anything like that it has to do about you awakening one day and really looking at yourself, right? And I think a lot of people did that through the pandemic mm -hmm. and really thinking about, you know, do I want this job, right? This corporate job, am I happy in my life? And then yeah. how do I change that, right? And, and, and can we do things differently? So it's really about awakening more than everything. Um, but when you think about <clears throat> how it started, it started really as a group of friends that were headhunters of, of large corporations that we thought about, hey, we're going to be useless here in about <clears throat> 10, 15 years, right? The way the market's going. And then from that perspective is, <clears throat> how can you really um, change, you know, uh, and really empower others to make better decisions for their careers? And how can you really look at how a recruitment process in executive search is done today? And mm -hmm. the, so many biases through the process. So we started thinking about how can we bring data back right. and actually create the perfect process mm -hmm. of really having diversity, equity, inclusion as what it should be, right? It's not about what's external. It's yeah. about what is that person bringing and how can you quantify and look at the evidences that you know, they will perform uh -huh. and they will adapt. So we focused on the true reason why people fail in their jobs uh, or through external hires. It's because of cultural fit. It's because of adaptation. But creating a link with what the role needs to do in order to perform, but also, you know, actually giving people and companies the ability to find during the recruitment process okay. that that's going to be a good match, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so it's really studying and going deep into how to simplify that process. Do, do you get this question a lot? Do you feel like people are worried about being reduced yeah. to a bunch of numbers. If you're, if you're saying I'm going to quantify this individual. No. So it's actually, I think it's actually the opposite because, um, you know, I, I think more and more these, you know, the tech companies grow and you look at data and I mean, people remain even more important through that process, mm -hmm. right? Cause that's, that's the human factor that makes the numbers go left or right. Um, so I think the, the, the main drive here is actually to empower everyone so that during a recruitment process, right, that you understand as a candidate, what are your gaps? And then you also understand, and that there could be leadership gaps, there could mm -hmm. be, you know, technical gaps, whatever it is. Um, but a lot of people don't know, right? Yeah. No one tells them. And, and then on the other end is how can you empower companies to actually embrace the fact that we are humans and we're people 
and that you should concentrate on developing your talent and not only bringing talent from the outside because it's a lot more costly. Fifty oh, percent of these hires fail; mm. they break eventually, and you know a bad leader, you know, actually brings a lot of good talent out of the organization because they're changing everything. Mm -hmm. So, from that perspective, is how can you really use the recruitment process as, you know. It's usually a blind date. How can mm -hmm. you make that not a blind date? And actually, hey, if you guys want to get married or start dating, this is what happens yeah, when yeah. this is what's going to happen when you guys move in together, right? It's like uh, <laughs> so the, a little personal an analogy. Uh, yeah, yeah. My wife and I, every once in a while, I, I don't remember the doctor, but there's like these 36 questions of love, and they uh -huh. get progressively deeper. And, and you may have done this before. You're nodding like you you've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and, and every once in a while we'll do it. Maybe once a year or something. I feel like we always learn something new about each other. We always end up in tears. Uh, mostly me first, uh, but. <laughs> But the the it, it, wrong it, with that. I know, but it's a little I, I feel like it's a little bit some of that. Right. Where yeah. where you're where you're asking the deeper and deeper questions that don't get asked a lot and really kind of yeah. getting to, to the core of who these people are so that you help them become or the company build a, a culture around these people yeah. uh, that that is useful. For sure. And, and, and I mean, you, you know, using eventually uh, the ex well, now the example you just gave, but, you know, a relationship is based out of two people adapting to each other. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean. Of course, and we go through that, right? Maybe you're still part of Alex, single, right? I'm still <laughs> Zuka, single, but now, you know, I'm married, right, right. been married 20 years, I have two kids. So, um, so I, I still have the essence of who I am, but naturally to make the relationship work, both sides have to adapt. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's either or, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the way the, I think you know, the, the larger companies and the corporations shaped it to be, to shape it to be like factories, yeah, right? And, yeah. and you have to sort of walk that talk. And sometimes you don't agree with that. And then the values and then the leadership style, as you grow within the company, you start to question it. So if, you're if, if that relationship is moving you too far away from your essence, yeah. you shouldn't even go in, right, yeah. uh, into the relationship. So, so it is, you know, very... I'm, you know, romanticizing it. But when you think of it like executives and you think of, you know, these organizations that are growing, they're both the side of companies that are going through leadership transformation because they're losing their talents. And mm -hmm. you're looking at VPs and CEOs who've been part of that mindset for 30, you know, plus years or 20 plus years. And you have a new generation they don't understand and how to motivate and how to go through that. Yeah. But more importantly is the fact that if you are scaling a company, and, you know, you're a company of 20 people, you're getting backed now by a seed or series A, and you need to be a company of 100, 200,000, just like Card.com right, did, you right. know, local and everything with Omer. Um, you have to think of your talent recycling themselves. And mm -hmm. if you're creating a new market, if you're growing in a new economy, there are certain roles that will be created through the potential of people. Yeah, yeah. And then how can you, you know, like, go through the relationship where you're first you and your wife and then you have kids and then the kids grow so it's your stressors and yeah, yeah you're constantly you need to improve as as a person right, right right so that's the same concept in a way but a lot of these companies are thinking of the entire talent yeah. cycle from beginning to the end so constantly reawakening almost of uh, sorts okay upskilling reskilling and yeah. you know yeah. yeah so so you mentioned uh, speaking of awakening you yeah. mentioned woke being awakening you yourself, I feel like you had a little bit of, a, of an awakening at, totally. at certain points. You were going down the path of professional sports. What happened? Yeah, so it's, uh, 
I think there's a few, uh, you know, cycles in life that maybe you go through these awakening periods. I I think I have a few, a few ones that were really interesting. I've always wanted to be a soccer player, right? Mm -hmm. So as a professional soccer player, I know exactly. (laughs) So we got tough competition, right? I mean, in a way. So, so from that perspective, I really worked hard, you know, and, and you know, I had some talent to be able to make it. Um, and and I, so when I was young, you know, I, my first experience of kind of leaving home and changing my life was when I was 10 and my dad went to live in Monterey in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that really, to me as a kid, kind of made me a little bit more mature because I had to leave my friends, live abroad. Yeah. And, you know, like make new friends, learn new languages. So that's how I learned English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back, I was really certain like I'm going to I'm going to be a pro. Right. But yeah. when I was 14, I had I was invited to, you know, play for this team and I had to choose. Do I go and keep studying and go through high school and actually, you know, mm-hmm. normal path or do I go pro early in the yeah, career, yeah. like junior pro? Right. And then I had to study at night in public school, kind of leave everything. And I, at that time, I, I, I chose to, to keep the routes and try to do it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So I had a late awakening or a late opportunity then in my life later on to actually pay, play pro. So when I, when I graduated high school, I was like, now I'm going to try to do it. Yeah. And then uh, I was already old, you know, in a way, to, you know, for sure. the season, 17 years old in Brazil. You're, you're it's old. It's weird to sit here as like 30, 30, you know, mid-30s, whatever, and say, exactly. oh, man, 18 years old, old. Exactly. Well, now you see that NBA and NFL, and yeah. they, they do that. You know, you sort of skip college and you go straight. But usually it goes through high school, right? So the yeah. U.S. is a very good mind to actually empower these professional athletes to at least – know what to do with their lives like yeah. have the basics right a lot of brazilians and a lot of you know third world countries don't yep. so i think that's the main differentiator is, is you have a lot of talent but you don't have a lot of professionals they mm-hmm. learn how to be professionals with time yeah so that was really difficult for me later because the competition is you know you have a lot of people fighting for the job of their lives yeah and you've got only like three percent i don't know the exact data that really make it to the top, top end and, and do like right. you know, million, million dollar contracts in soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, to me, it was uh, I was able to make a junior pro and then I got injured and then I was let go. And then I, what, what do I do with my uh, life, right, yeah. at 17? And I decided to say, hey, let's go to the U.S. and, uh, and you know, let's, have, uh, let's go to college with a scholarship and then I'll try play MLS when I'm 22, 23. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole plan. Um, different times, 98, <laughs> there was no internet really in Brazil. It was yeah. like still dialed. So <laughs> I, you know, so I, so I got a contact of a coach. I e- emailed the coach and actually cold called in a way mm-hmm. to say, Hey, this is me. You should give me a chance. And yeah. Just, you uh, cold called for an interview on a, a professional soccer team. That's amazing. No, at, at college, it was still college. Yeah, you're still college. Still okay, college. Okay. I had no clue where it was. And then uh, when, and he said, look, if you're good, you, you come here, we'll start spring training, you know, around this time. And my, you know, my dad at the time gave me the opportunity to say, look, you should go. Yeah. I can, I can cover costs for like six months. But after that, you're on your own. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> uh, and he promised me a scholarship, right? So I went in and said, look, I'm going to make it. And, and, yeah. and a few went through the SAT, TOEFL and all those things. Um, about 
you know, a month, two months later, I was in Waterville, Maine, like landing, <laughs> like snow. Yeah. And, like first time I saw I was gonna snow ask, in I, my I, life. I've never so, seen snow before. <laughs> yeah. So the coach picked me up and, uh, and you know, he said, look, tomorrow we'll have practice and we'll see what you got. And yeah. then, uh, and then after that, he gave me a full ride. Awesome. And that's how I started my career. Well, my student athlete career. Yeah. So that okay. was the first awakening period where I'm like, I remember awakening one day, like waking up one day and saying like, dude, I'm, I'm across the country by myself, you know, and yeah. I, I have to make it right. And uh, so that was the start of, you know, at least the plan to, to well, don't, don't play stop pro there. The What's US. the, what was the next step? Yeah. So the next step you is got me gripped. The, yeah. The, the next step is the team had 13 players. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was D three of NCAA. Yeah. And, uh, and that was part of the journey. Ooh. So, so naturally, you know, I, I, we played the first year. It was, it was awesome. We mm -hmm. made it to the championship. We lost. When there was double man marked for the first time in my life, where I had a good guy like staring at me, and their goal was there, and oh. uh, and another one behind me, so it was like it was super interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it was so much fun, you I know. It was imagine. really that experience of you finding yourself as an athlete, and I took it really seriously because like this was my only way out. Yeah. You know, but I was studying, and so I was a, a you know good student and all that. Um, but then, uh, you know, NCAA three changed the rules and my, 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 my scholarship had to change. Mm. So I couldn't transfer out, but I couldn't pay room and board. They had to kind of lower my scholarship. So then was I, that because of uh, title nine or anything like that, or I don't remember exactly yeah. what it was, but I think it was something around kind of international scholarships weren't ah, able okay, to okay. be offered like full scholarship back in, in the day for D uh three. -huh. So then I had to transfer. So then for, you know, for, for that period, I started kind of road showing and I played a, against a few colleges, but I didn't want to redshirt. So if I had to move from NCAA 3 on mm. to NCAA, I'd have to redshirt. So then I went to play for Notre Dame College in Manchester, New Hampshire, where okay. I, I got a full ride and we had a much more international team. Mm -hmm. uh, we made it to the first round of regionals. We never, never made it to the nationals. And then that, that college lost a, a big chunk of funding right after september 11th yeah and then it sounds like a startup life you know? i know and, you know it prepared me for life so yeah. I, that's why that's where i bring these you know these things and they you know those are the things that i'm saying like those things shape character and those yeah. things really helped me through my professional career later yeah so then uh you know we lost funding hey the school's gonna close in a year you guys have to figure out what you're going to do. And then I was able to choose because it was a, you know, a, yeah, okay. a, a specific situation. And then I, I, I was between U Memphis because I wanted to go south. I couldn't stand the yeah. cold anymore. <laughs> U Memphis or Clayton States. And I chose Clayton. Okay. Uh, so I actually, my senior year was for Clayton State. Uh, and uh, team was 13 and 0. It was everything perfect. And then everyone started getting injured. Uh, we, did, we didn't make it to the nationals. But it was great. I had like NCAA All American through my four years, top assist in the nation. Awesome. So I took it seriously. Yeah. And then I graduated right after September 11th. OPT was reduced. Uh, and I, you know, MLS had only eight teams at the time. Yeah. So it was really difficult to make it in. Uh, I didn't get a trial, a tryout. I mean, they had the eight leagues. So I got it for the Silverbacks. Mm -hmm. But they wanted me to, you know, hang in there and maybe coach for another year mm -hmm. and kind of keep practicing for me to get offered a contract. And I said, you know what, 
it's time to, you know, like embrace life and <laughs> let's go back to Brazil and let's start my professional career. Yeah. So that's, well, that's a where decision, I guess. Yeah. Other, yeah. Yeah. So knowing you, I that's, mean, that's the end of my sports life. I'd that's say not professional true. That's not life. true because I, I, <laughs> you, you, you've developed as a student athlete or you developed as an athlete. Um, yeah. you still, I know you still play football or football. Exactly. And, uh, and and now with woke, you're you're getting you know you're engaging a lot with different startups and that entrepreneurial vibe, uh, and totally. I feel like you've got that itch you know yeah, a little yeah. bit. And so so you know let's open up your mind a little bit and let us into some things that you're planning out. Cool, yeah. So um, so the second awakening period, right, was uh, or maybe the, the the most recent one is is actually kind of you know the 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 pandemic. It's really turning forty through the pandemic. And actually, I was already, you know, I was a, you know, a partner, executive director of a major, you know, company in recruitment, right. uh, publicly traded and all these things. But I just couldn't, I just felt like, you know, my leadership style and what I thought and what I believed, I couldn't change it because the company was static and just doing one thing, you know, and great uh, gave me great opportunities. I'm super blessed for the experience that I had because it was really entrepreneurial, but I had a niche you know, in me that I wanted to start something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and these, you know, uh, these guys, you know, my, my, my partners, Guy and Fabio, they had one gone to Stanford, the other into London business school. And they came back and said, how do we disrupt this? Cause like, you know, we can still create a boutique and keep doing the same thing. Right. And then I saw that baby, you know, that baby being born back mm -hmm. in 2009, 19, um, when they started it. Um, but, with the whole this whole first year where I was very used to kind of focusing on middle market and private equity backed and really, mm -hmm. you know, more mature organizations. Um, I always was passionate about the VCs, but didn't I mean, my work didn't get me close. And, and I was I was a corporate guy technically yeah. in a way. Right. So this whole first year experience of starting woke here and we concentrating on new economy and startup and scale ups just basically unleashed. I think part of me, which is, you know, who am I, right? What yeah. am I doing here? And how can I, how, how, you know, how can I really give back to people and, you know, mm -hmm. to me, right? And as a person. So I think from that perspective, it was, was really, really interesting that, you know, I, I went back to look at my life and I had started Texas for Volley here in, in 2015, mm -hmm. mainly for me, mainly for hobby. Because, right. I mean, I started playing for Volley when I retired from soccer which is I got, I tore my ACL Oof. and then I, you know, through the recovery, they had created the sand courts. I was going to ask, sand is better for rehab or for your yeah, ACL? Yeah, yeah. Really? well, okay. totally, totally wow. in several different ways, right? Okay. So first day, I mean, I live in, I used to live in Sao Paulo. There are no beaches. Sao Paulo is like Houston in a way. Yeah. And I mean, the closest beach is an hour away. And, um, but it looks better than Galveston. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now Galveston needs some work. No to disrespect get close. to Galveston. No disrespect. But Brazilian but beaches exactly. uh, are no, yeah. World renowned. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, what happened was, um, you know, with, because of, of this ACL injury, uh, when I was ready to get into send, you know, my dad and a few of the friends had started talking about Favoli and, you know, and then they created the first court. Okay. So it was a sand court in the middle of the, the, the club, just like the Houstonian mm -hmm. or, you know, like uh, the West Side, for example, yeah. just so you get a picture. Um, and everyone said, no one's going to play. What, what are you guys doing, right? Um, but then, we, you know, through the recovery, I started doing, you know, swimming pool mm -hmm. and then doing like, you know, 
like um, direction changes and movements once I, I was sort of five, four or five months into the rehab. Yeah. Um, and then I started practicing for volley because you have no contact. Yeah. You know, you don't have to yeah, take, take, the take me through the rules real quick. Uh, a foot volley. I mean, I, yeah. it sounds if it's as simple as it sounds, that's great. But I, I imagine there's it, nuance. It, it, yeah, it is as simple as it sounds with a trick, right? Especially for the American mind, in a mm -hmm. way, where all most of the sports are, you know, are with the hand. Right. Um, it's it's sand volleyball. You can't use your hands. Okay. So basically, it's two v two on the court. Mm -hmm. uh, game goes to eighteen. There is no advantages, so every every score is a point. The ball cannot bounce, and you have a maximum of three touches per team. You can right. only touch the right. ball once. Okay. So you got a lot of chest. You got a lot of like heading. You know, there's the shark attack, which is sort of like you go, sort of like a karate kit, <laughs> but you know. Uh, face yeah, forward. So if, if there's like, one thing I remember is getting embarrassed on the beaches of Rio uh, when when I was I went to play with my wife and and her like the girls she had made friends with uh, there and they just they kicked my ass. I, I mean like they destroyed me and one of them <laughs> did this like bicycle kick. I guess it's yeah. called a shark, shark attack. attack. Shark yeah, attack. that's what it's called. Uh, I didn't know that at the time, but it's I a got fr it's a it, so it's an inverted like bicycle kick. But you go actually with your feet first yeah. and then you land right. Uh, to the side you go over the net yeah so it's like spiking but with your, with your the, feet the bottom of your oh my foot God. yeah yeah anyway and uh so so with the interesting side about foot volley was you know you soccer you get injured right i just start going it, it's a great game i love the game i'm super mm -hmm. passionate about it but when it's not played right or so when you're just running around yeah and when you have to take both of your ankles and you cannot tie your shoes the next day it's not fun right especially when you beat your body mm -hmm. through you know through you know, maybe a more competitive, uh, you know, uh, life, right? Mm -hmm. Through through as a as as a player. So from that perspective, foot volley just gave life to the fact that I could just go in and put, you know, our Brazilian speedos, yeah, and and just go in the sand like in the middle of the day, and like at noon, and 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 play it, you know, shower and go home, and you only need four people, right? Right. So it's really easy from that perspective. It's a very you know, overwhelming game, but it's not, you know, it's very different than soccer. Yeah. It's very different than soccer. Like well, it, the, it's a great equalizer of sorts. I, I mean, it is, this is it just is. from, from my personal experience, but my, my parents had a sand soccer court, uh, uh -huh. next, next to their house and we just played sand soccer. Uh, we never, we never got to the point where we were playing Fuchivale, but, but the, I just remember after we'd play, I felt like my feet were hurting in muscles that I didn't even know I had. Exactly. Yeah, I mean you're you're using and and also like it's you would great. get the greatest players on field and even put them yeah. on the on the sand and it was a joke, you know. And so you got to play a little bit more level for sure. And it's an even surface, yeah. So it it it's helping a lot of the parts of your joints and body. Um, it's actually like actually evening from a, an age perspective. So you could get. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know. There's a lot of like, of course, if you look at. Most of the players, you have very fit bodies, right. both for women and, and, and men. But there are a lot of the, the ones that are not. So you see that, you know, yeah, like yeah. chubby, Good fat balance. guy or like older <laughs> guys that, hey, I'm going to kick the, you know, <laughs> the hell out of that guy today. And, and they are just unbelievable how they move on the sand and what they do. So it's a it's a it's a it's a very interesting game because it's a little bit of like a chess game mm -hmm. in a way. Um, there's always a weak link and there's always something that you're not very good at. And it's uh -huh. sort of like tennis. Um but you can t trash talk, <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. really cool because, like, it's an emotional game at the same time. Yeah. Like, so tennis and golf are very, like, you know, like, 
There's you have to behave. And, yeah. The etiquettes. Favali is the opposite. So Favali grew sort of in the streets. No one really used to play. So it's a lot of like challenges and things. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very it's very fun. Cool. Uh, well, so that yeah. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. So sorry. I was just gonna link back to then 2015, right? So I come here to work. I was you know sort of expats and an L1 um, in the city and. What am I going to do, right? I don't play soccer anymore. I don't want to get hurt. Uh, well, let's try to look for Fovali. And I, I, I found, you know, Ivan Guimarães and the NFA, the National mm -hmm. Fovali Association in, in Miami. And they, I really only saw two places, like Florida and California, who had Fovali. And uh, so I'm like, I'm going to start Texas, right? And I bought two balls, you know, from Amazon, a net. And then I set it up on Memorial Park. And yeah. then I started asking people that I, you know, as I'm a headhunter, I was, I'm a headhunter, right? Yeah, so right, I, right. You know people. So I started <laughs> knowing people and asking around, hey, do you play for volley, right? <laughs> like talking to the CEOs and they're from Rio. Hey, so do you play for volley? Yeah. No, I don't, but I know someone that did. And then we started getting together and creating. Yeah. And then I started, hey, we should have a logo. We should have a shirts and all that and then i created the texas for volume that's awesome and um so entrepreneurial yeah, yeah and, and that's how it started um but then you know since it's such such difficult game i said well we have to groom people to play right mm -hmm. so uh, so i actually not only did it for me but actually i wanted to think that this could be something bigger in the future so then i started giving classes so in my free time i would give classes to people that would come in and learn how to play and get better. Because yeah. a lot of soccer players are good in soccer, but they're terrible at football. Yeah. How, how long does it take to teach someone to, uh, to do a shark attack? It depends. It depends <laughs> on your level of uh, kamikaze. You know, like <laughs> how kamikaze your you fear. are. Yeah. Yeah, no fear. <laughs> a lot of people just do it really quickly. I uh -huh. mean, it's, football is it's easy to get uh, easy. If, you know, I think after a month of doing classes, you can mm -hmm. play. Anyone can play. Mm-hmm. But once you start like understanding the differences, you need about six months to really feel that, hey, I became a full volley player. I know yeah. how to chest the ball. I'm doing things right. But it's but you got so many grades like, you know, I've been playing this for 10 years and I started when I was 32. Yeah. Um, so, a, you know, a kid who's doing this, you know, since he was 12, you know, his ability is going to yeah. be a lot bigger than mine so i don't know if i'm gonna be you know a lot better than what i am right now i think i'm you know well, I, I, I I'm, you, I, I'm 32 right now <laughs> i if in 10 years i can i can perform like you do on the court yeah. i'll be happy so yeah. this is doable I, you know <laughs> i think that's a that's a good that's a good thing i mean i'll say in two years you can compete like in a you know in a national tournament at yeah. a an advanced level um so awesome so this is this is what we did and then naturally created texas for volley and i created the first tournaments for us for people to get you know mm -hmm. like understand what that is and create some kind of competition and we went from me to now having you know houston san antonio dallas and and austin with over 100 players uh wow. that actually play actively and we yeah. we think there are probably another 20 30 players who who are starting and yeah. don't even know that we exist right that's amazing uh, so so you've you've built a community uh and, and and so on one end you've got uh woke which is a digital platform to kind of enhance the the development of people and and across the the whole arc right yeah. on the other side you've got a very physical uh kind of community building side of things where where you're creating you know or you're taking what Not you started in brazil yet, yeah no 
But so like, is there an opportunity to merge them? Uh, I, I don't, I think there is an opportunity, not, not maybe for Texas for volley and, and woke itself. I think, you know, a lot of what I do naturally is to sort of help empower others mm -hmm. and try to bring, you know, a community build that, you know, we should be diverse and inclusive because for volley in a lot of places, it's not because you play very, very well competitive and you want to play with only the people who play really well. Right. And the same is with volleyball, right? See the beach volleyball guys here and they don't want to play with whoever doesn't want to play. Right. So, but you know, if you're building a community and I mean, and, and then I became part of the national football association. So I'm a board member for, to create the MLS, the NFL mm -hmm. for football, right? Awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's the national football association. So then it's how do we grow for across the U S Mm -hmm. So that's a much bigger business when then the Texas Favali is another bigger uh, a part of that. Um, but basically, so today we, we, you know, when I came, probably there were 200 players in the U.S., maybe three. And now we're almost 5,000, right? Wow. Um, so and, and, and we're bringing, you know, like high school. So we have a tournament now, you know, in, in Chicago, which is a big one for us because mm -hmm. it it. It's a very Latin, a Brazilian game, mm -hmm. but we want we we want it to grow in the U.S. So there's a huge potential, especially with soccer coming on, yeah. and coming up, and all those things with World Cup, um, to actually get the U.S. soccer population excited about it because it's it's as you said, I mean, it's a great great opportunity to upskill yourself mm -hmm. in soccer, right? Um, but I mean, do you find that? teams out of Houston perform better than teams out of Chicago because how many how many months out of the year can you play in Chicago yeah and that's a good question because like you you it depends on on who moved to Chicago you know and <laughs> yeah. if they knew how to play for volume or not oh, okay, okay. but but you know this is the great test this is what's been super fun is that you're seeing a lot of people that have learned how to play a year ago competing at national level because yeah. we have different levels we have third division second and first but they all start together then you have your beginners then you have co-ed which is men against men yeah. with girl right or men with women yeah uh, you know <laughs> boy you. and girl um and then yeah and and this is the great you know i think overall when you look at the Favali platform it really is embracing the sports as you know as well-being as a you know like giving yeah. people the ability to have a professional career. Uh, volley is one of the fastest growing sports, has been the fastest growing sport in, in, in Brazil for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. and it's becoming global. But you have all the sports like beach tennis, for example, which is a super fever. So through Favali, I, was, I always like to empower the other small businesses around it. So mm -hmm. I think that's the big, that's the connection with Woke and with me mm -hmm. is, um, I think you know I was able to tie in the Brazilian community and the Latin community to really bring people who were starting up and opportunity who, who like good cooks or you know like the expat wife you know the wife of the yeah. expat that really loved to cook and started their own business and then I brought them in to be their sponsors and you know helping out and then driving a lot more business to them. Um, and the same now with beach tennis it's, you know, beach tennis, people started coming and say, Hey, uh, you know, I play tennis and I'm like, dude, there's this sport called beach tennis. Let me yeah. help you out. And then I connect people with them, uh, from that perspective. So they're not connected to woke specifically, but I think woke is more of a connection to sports tech. Actually, yeah. it's the connection to, you know, even like found future founders, right. Of all of everything that's going on in the sports technology mm -hmm. environment. And, um, and what, you know, 
you you have this professional athlete who you know retired and then what does he do with his life right at this stage yeah. or with her life right um and then investing in a company and then creating a culture of that company being the ceo of the organization or being a board member so there's a mm -hmm. people there's a, a people accelerator through woke through sports yeah yeah um and i take that very seriously with texas for volley which i haven't made really a, a business to scale up yeah but it got me through the fact that now you know uh, i can i you know I, i'm thinking of actually in, in being the founder of a of a sports app right because okay. we feel that you know when we organize the events and the experience that the players have needs something different there are a lot of pains for whoever runs the place whoever plays the sports and whoever organizes right yeah so there's there's something here and we're we're working on it right around that. So, well, so there's a anyway. couple there's a couple points there so first of all like we had brian ching on uh, uh -huh. a few weeks ago and, and i hope he doesn't get upset if he hears this but like I, I got the feeling that he was like, I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up kind of thing after, especially after yeah. retirement. And he's, he, he expressed it as like, I've got, he had the luxury of like being able to give him, he knew before the season started, I've got a year to kind of figure out what I'm going to do through this retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, and it sounds like, like being able to take the, the functionalities and the success of woke and be able to put it in, in some kind of accelerator, some map, for retired athletes to yeah. be able to get them into the things they want to do is, sure. is, a, is a huge opportunity. Huge. And I mean, it's that, that's why that's the beauty of how we were building Woke is because it could be B2B and it's B2C because it, you are the same person. Yeah. I mean, it could be about you upskilling yourself to be a better CEO. It could be about you thinking about what do I do with my life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then the challenges are sort of the same, right? And, and just to empower people to understand what do they want? Yeah. And then figure out, okay, where do I go? Right. You know, so it's, um, so, so this is really interesting from all the perspectives, right? Cause, cause they blend in. Absolutely. We're the same person. This is exciting. Uh, we're going to have you back on in a year from now. And I want to, I want to see this foot volley app, a community, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, cool, I want to hear all about it before, before we hop off, we'll do and some I'm light, lightning you guys questions. Oh, talk, yeah, of course. So. Of course. Uh, we'll uh, like, we'll have foot volley and pocket talk, right? We have to all beach sports. Uh, yeah. Uh, before we go off, uh, some lightning questions, go for Column, it. I mean, as, as a soccer player, you'll respect this, uh, stoppage time questions, but, uh, so, so four or five quick ones answer as briefly as, or as vaguely as you want. Okay. Uh, best purchase under $50. Best uh, full volleyball. Football. Well, yeah, that's what started <laughs> it all, right? 35, <laughs> yeah. 35 bucks. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Cause like that, that's a I, microcosm of just like this, this waterfall effect that's happened in your life, uh, it, which is amazing anyway. Uh, okay. What is your favorite productivity hack? Favorite productivity hack is, um, I think in a way is, uh, it's always, it's always asking questions. It's always understanding that people can do it differently. It's always thinking about, you know, why did I take so long to do this? Can I need to do it better? Yeah. So it's that constant, at, at, like sports app, you know, mindset of competing mm -hmm. against yourself, you know? So I, I, I would say, I don't know if that was eventually the answer, but I think yeah, to yeah. me, the, the, the productivity hack, and that's what we do. How can we, how can we be 1% better every day? Mm -hmm. If, you know, is this generating uh, value, right? If, if this is an operational activity, then we, yeah. we, can, we, can, we can upgrade that and, and be more productive. So this is what we're doing I, I, I'm, it's not brief, but this is this is actually the essence of everything. Is why are executive search companies spending so much time 
into the operational side where, you know, you should be hiring someone that's actually helping you think about mm -hmm. what are your problems are and actually focusing on solving them, right? right. Um, so it's actually bringing market information. Anyway, but that, that's no, no, what we I, do every day. I, I'm, I'm just surprised that you would say that asking questions is a productivity. I feel it's like a creativity hack. But man, if I'm asking questions, my mind is racing a hundred different directions because yeah. of the amazing things. Being productive becomes difficult for me. But but if you found a way to 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 be able to condense that down into a way that you can be productive quickly, it's, it's asking questions about asking questions about. How can I do this differently? Okay. So it's specific, it's, more specific. So you, you, you might be, so multitasking, right? I mean, yeah. if you might be productive in doing this one way, but if you you ask other people, hey, how do you do it? And you know, and and, and yeah, what do you see? They there might be a hack there that you yeah. never even thought about it because your mind is thinking one way, and that's the beauty of yeah diversity. That's the beauty of different opinions, right? Absolutely. All right. If you, uh, I haven't gotten great responses of this question, so we'll see. Uh, but if you could create a new sport or, or create a, a sport mashup, maybe a beach sport, okay. what, would, what would it look like? Yeah. Look, I, I think just uh, as, as, as for fun, you know, like we, we, we've, we've done it as a joke a few times. Yeah. And it's interesting, especially with like good volleyball players. We get them to say, hey, let's play for volley and volleyball together. And then you play one guy or one person can okay. only use their feet and no hands and the other one does. Oh, interesting. Okay. So maybe that's, there's a game there yeah. to kind of mash the, you know. I feel football. like my mind would, would forget that oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm no hands this time, hands this, okay. Wow. So one okay, can only yeah. use their hands and the other can use, you yeah, cannot yeah. use their that's hands. That's all, that's and a psychological one, exercise, yeah, exactly. a mental exercise. So that could be interesting. That, that is, There could that be a is. sport there. Absolutely. Well, and I'm nervous about this last question because as an Argentine, there's been a lot of moments where Brazil has, has, uh, Exceed, you know, reign victorious over Argentina. Uh -huh. But what's your favorite sports moment or sports quote? Oof. My, I think my favorite, like I think you know, a, a, maybe a one that comes to mind all the time. Um, it's eventually the the seventies World Cup, which mm -hmm. is the first World Cup uh, where there was colored television and and everything, at least in Brazil. And I have the image of Pelé, number yeah. ten, Johnny, like in punching the air. That was always sort of my celebration, uh, in a way. Um, yeah, I think that that's that, awesome. that that's a is, good one. Yeah, I think that that to me comes all the time. I have many other are the ones, but I think that's that's awesome. That's yeah, I'm, I'm gonna print out a poster of that. And yeah. That's a great memory. And the other one was probably Ronaldo, like the the uh -huh. fat Ronaldo, like yeah, the fat phenom, Ronaldo. <laughs> the phenom. Yeah, fat, fat. Sorry, Ronaldo, you're, you're the best player I've seen. <laughs> you're the best player I've seen, you know, live, but. The bat, a very interesting one that I thought, hey, this could be fun as well, yeah. is when he comes out, you know, in 2002 with the, you know, new hairstyle. Yeah, with a little tuft or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he yeah. didn't want people to pay attention to his knees. I think that, that was brilliant. Oh, wow. Did it you like know that? marketing tag. I didn't know that. No, no, it's no marketing. It's like, so his, the story he tells is that he came in one day and he had just come from a knee recovery, like a tough one that everyone uh -huh. saw. This was his big, you know, like big comeback against Germany, mm -hmm. you know, final of the World Cup. And uh, he comes out with this weird hairdo, right? Yeah. And they were, he scored two goals and, you know, like we were champs. And, and he, and they asked him, why did you do that? I didn't want anyone to pay attention to my knee. Oh, to like start so, whacking. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So he said he woke up and he did it. And, he, and that, That's that genius. was, that was the trick, like... But it's those little things, right? That separate, was, you know, Yeah, the it's greater, brilliant. And, and that's why he's, he's so brilliant. Right? Yeah, if yeah. you look at, 
like maybe the modern days, mm-hmm. he is one that, you know, not only as a professional soccer player, as yeah. a person, now as, as a businessman, he's the one who's been able to transcend his career. That's so awesome. Yeah. Well, valeu, cara. Muito, muito valeu. obrigado por tudo. Prazer. Uh, I want to thank Jack Brame, our producer, our research assistant, Juan Gutierrez, again, 1836. Thank you, thank you 1836. All the guys out here, yeah. And uh, again, I'm, I'm serious. I want next year, you, I want you back For on sure. and to hear about yeah. this new Fuchivali. Yeah. And we'll have Kingo launched, which is the new the, app. Okay. King of the Beach. Yeah. Kingo. So it's Kingo. That's Kingo. where it's. All right. How can people find you? I'm sure there's a National Football Association yeah. uh, thing that we can throw in the show notes. Exactly. Yeah. National Football Association, TexasFootvolley.com. Mm-hmm. So FootvolleyUSA.com, uh, TexasFootvolley.com, and then WokePeople.com. That's Perfect. how you can find me. And there's not, not a lot of Zookas on LinkedIn. So that's, yeah, that's fair. Find that's me. fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll throw all that in the show notes. Uh, thanks again. Obviously, like, subscribe, rate us. We love feedback. Uh, all we want to just keep getting better. Until next time. Bye.